When I realized I couldn't have a party, I wanted to find another way to celebrate and mark this momentous occasion. And being the runner that I am, and being the big dreamer that I am, I quickly cooked up I could do 100K. This is the Longest Stride Podcast. Join us as we connect the boroughs of the GTA running community one stride at a time. Hello, I'm Dre. On behalf of my co-host, Jonathan, welcome to the Longest Stride Podcast. Our guest tonight is an ultra runner, teacher, and most of all, a full-time mom to a three-and-a-half-year-old. Ten years ago, her life has changed. She was diagnosed with a brain tumor. However, after recovering, she's been on a mission to advocate for the Brain Tumor Foundation of Canada. Her life resume is Super incredible, say the least. Also, she's a fellow contributor of Runners of the Six. I'm happy to introduce Lisa Sweetman. Welcome. Hi. It's so nice to be here with you both. It's nice to have you back. <laughs> We're connecting again. Yeah, so uh, congratulations on everything. Um, I don't know where it stacks as far as, you know, your, your life achievements, but return guest on the Longest Stride podcast. Hey, I feel uh, good about that. <laughs> we, Never have. And we feel great about it because your family, Lisa, you know, Dre mentioned Runners of the Six. And mm -hmm. uh, I feel like, you know, you and I probably can co-share the bridge on the belt line because <laughs> the number of times that I've seen you run across it um, is probably more times than I have. So, um, yeah, so a, a lot to a lot to, to kick off. And, uh, you know, Dre talked about the um, um, the, the, the brain tumor and mm -hmm. talked about, you know, uh, some of the other things in your life. I honestly, I don't even know where to start Lisa. So <laughs> there's a we, bit, right? right. There's just so much going on. And, uh, we, you know, we're a few days removed from, um, from your, your accomplishment, which we'll, we'll get into, but maybe we can just start real quick. I know Dre said it's been like 10 years since you, you had uh, surgery. Yeah. Was it, how long bef was before that? Did you get diagnosed? Yeah. So, um, I had been experiencing kind of ill health, um, from late 2008 into 2009, but it was in the summer of 2010 that finally after, they decided to do an MRI. They found a quite a sizable tumor on my pituitary gland. And so I was diagnosed in the summer of 2010. And initially, they thought that they weren't going to do anything about it because they didn't know if it was active. And then through some blood tests, they were able to determine that it was indeed very active and that the, the active nature of it plus the size of it warranted removal. And so on December 6th, 2010, I underwent a pretty significant surgery. It was supposed to be 
fairly short, about two hours They is what they anticipated, but it ended up being almost six hours because the tumor was wrapped around my carotid artery in addition to being um, compromising my pituitary. So it was an extremely difficult surgery for my neurosurgeon. And then I was in the hospital for 10 days following when they had originally expected me to only spend two days in recovery. So it was a pretty wow. uh, eventful journey, that's for sure. And, and you know, you say two hours, no, no surgery is routine, no brain surgery is routine, but two hours seems like, I don't, I'm definitely not going to use the word routine, but seems like it's something that they're like, oh, we'll just go in, remove the tumor and, and, and be done with it. Was that the impression that you got? Yeah. I mean, I understood that there were some, definitely it's serious with the, where it is in your body. It's also very close to the optic nerve. So there is a risk of blindness associated with this type of surgery. So while it's routine in the sense that pituitary tumors aren't that uncommon, the the size and the nature of mine was um, much more of a concern. So I had a condition that's called acromegaly. It's basically adult giganticism. So over the course of the uh, years leading into the diagnosis, I was physically growing um, in a sense that adults don't don't do after after the initial growth period of a of a human's life. But because my tumor was producing growth hormone, I was experiencing um, the symptoms that are associated with that with that kind of um, hormonal imbalance. So, and the my the pituitary kind of hangs out of the brain down at the bottom there, and and is this is this super important gland. But the tumor was so large that my pituitary was pressed into a pancake shape, and so all of the other hormones that uh, function and to do all kinds of different things in our bodies, none of that worked properly either. So it ended up being quite layered in terms of what was happening to me because of the different elements to the tumor's activity, but also the compromising of, of the rest of it. So Yeah, and I'm, I'm happy they were able to find <laughs> something because it's almost as if, you know, where they won't be looking kind of scenario yep. and something else is reactive. Yeah, you're right. And there were, you know, I, I had actually discovered running as a as a thing that I, I fell in love with just shortly before that. So I ran my first um, half marathon in 2009. And I and, and that was Scotiabank was my first half. And and I was feeling pretty great. I could run a half marathon. I'd been training. I was working hard. But all of these things started happening. And it just got progressively worse into 2010. And it was really confusing and doctors were trying all different types of tests. And, and like you said, Andre, like it was kind of um, a last ditch effort to try and solve the, what was happening. So, yeah. And, and to be clear, you were running before you had diagnosis. Correct. I had started uh, running, running kind of more seriously, maybe just a year before that. So I had found this thing I loved so much. And then my body started to rebel and it was, it was difficult. There were times where I, I had trouble walking um, because a lot of uh, the tumor caused inflammation of the joints and, and pain and weight gain. And so I was definitely not getting to be the runner that I felt myself to be after that first half marathon. I, I had that, you know, I caught the bug. I, I, I had the high and I was so pumped to be, be, to sink into this runner uh, lifestyle. And then my health was like, nope, <laughs> not happening. Yeah, that couldn't have been easy because I'm sure you equated 
um, your body changed to the fact that you started running. So that was like probably your first like red flag is because I started running. Um, I mean, it was, it was, I think actually the, the fact that I was running was, was, was actually masking some of the symptoms because I was sort of, it was like I was taking care of my health in a really wonderful way. I was running. I was also eating in a different way. I had gone through some other surgeries before the brain tumor surgery. So I had been working on my health, but then no matter what I did, I was still getting sicker. And so that was really confusing and frustrating. And I think that maybe we would have possibly found it a little bit earlier if I had not been um, attempting to live a more healthy lifestyle. So it's a, it's really interesting, you know, the way that food can be medicine and the way that activity can be medicine. And they were sort of mitigating the circumstances of this illness, but at a certain point, it just got too loud, if you will, my, in my body. So. Wow. Um, it, yeah. I mean, just thinking about all this is pretty, pretty intense yes. because <laughs> like, you don't, mm. you don't know what's happening. Right. And like, and then you start running and then you start, you start thinking maybe it's associated with running like what's happening maybe it's my diet because mm -hmm. imagining your diet must change around that same time as well uh, like like a lot of runners when they just start they, they go out or like i did too like i need to eat differently i need to do things differently so you know to go through all that and and to you know to feel like um it may be contributing must have been um must have been pretty uh, pretty intense but then to get this diagnosis when you're like okay i much have would have preferred it to be those other things <laughs> the running and the dieting than this uh which is um you know quite remarkable i mean obviously we're having this conversation 10 years later and 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 you know the successful outcome right but yes <laughs> it must have been a it must have been a, a pretty pretty intense a pretty intense time oh yeah no it was i mean it was you know it's funny um you know, like you said, we're 10 years out and, and 10 years was the the big anniversary that I was really looking forward to because with this this type of tumor that I have, the recurrence is possible and, and they do oh. they do see it coming back um, many, many, many years later sometimes in, in people. And so I am gonna be monitored for the rest of my life by the by the neurosurgery and the endocrinologist at Toronto Western Hospital. So I'm I'm never gonna get sort of the the scot free, you're good to go, but reaching the 10 year mark was, was a real victory. And, um, I think that it was just, um, a goal that I really had was to make it to 10 years. And, and that sort of sounds like a, a bit morbid, but, um, I, I, I sort of describe that when, when they took the tumor out, I called December 6th, my rebirth day, because, you know, my, the birth, my actual birthday is January 6th and it, it doesn't matter oh, wow. to me as much as December 6th does. So December oh, wow. 6th is when I got my life back and, and almost a new life. And, and so I've always described it as um, I feel like I didn't know what was going to happen that day. Like we talked about earlier, the surgery could have led to a variety of quite negative outcomes. And I wasn't yeah. sure what was going to happen. And, and so when I did come out of it well, and when I did recover, I felt like the, the life I was leading was a bonus life and that I had been sort of gone through this rebirth and I was excited to see what my whole life looked like. And the past 10 years have been, been pretty remarkable. So 
yeah, it's been a journey. Well, let's uh, let's talk about it. Let's <laughs> let's 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 pick it up a little bit, okay? <laughs> That's okay. good. I know it's a little bit of a downer story, but it's no, got no, a great it's, ending. <laughs> it's, a, it's the background we need so that people can appreciate kind of what what you've been through and kind of you know why we're talking about ten years. For and, sure. Um, it's a big deal, right? So, okay, how long after um, you know your your surgery did you feel not feel, but how long after were you able to start running again? So, surgery in December two thousand ten. I probably started running again in sort of mid two thousand eleven, and then I had to have surgery in two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve, and two thousand thirteen because of other complications caused by the tumor. So basically what my running life looked like was uh, illness, surgery, recovery, recovery, running, 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 illness, surgery, recovery, running, running, running. (laughs) And I actually used running as my visualization. Every time I went into an MRI machine, every time I went into a surgery, I would just visualize myself running on the trails. And I really believe that the outcomes of my surgeries were as positive as they were because of that mental picture that I created. Um, So my running journey has been spotty. I haven't, it took until 2014 for me to be able to start running consistently again. Oh, wow. And that's, that's impressive because you could have like not have a, a thing or a tick to be able to utilize for this part of your 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 life's journey. Yeah. Where you could have not have you'd probably obviously you you rely on your partner to be able to, you know, uh get you through the tough times and stuff like that, but to be doing it multiple times, it's like three times, three or four times you had to do that. Yeah, so I yeah, I had five surgeries in my, oh, wow. in, my wow. in the span of 5 years. So, yeah. Why just to like why? So before they found the tumor, I had um, a prolapsed urethra. This is going to get spicy, guys. Hopefully everyone's okay with it. And yeah, everybody's, everybody's going to just get squeamish for two seconds. But I've been talking about my body for years. So I'm very comfortable no. with it. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, we don't know who will, will be hearing this. So one of You're these right. elements might, you know, um, you know, speak to someone. So yeah, uh, and you know, I, I'm a very transparent person. I, I believe mm-hmm. in the power of our stories, and I'm I'm very comfortable with being vulnerable and and sharing the truth about things because, like you said, Andre, like we we gain so much from other people being brave, and it's brave for me yep. to go on, you know, the podcast that you have created here and say like I had a prolapsed urethra, I had a t- pituitary tumor, and then I had three rectal surgeries. How spicy is that, guys? <laughs> oh my! You know, everyone has that. Everyone has these body parts. Yeah. Oh, we're all ad- yeah. adults. Totally. Right? And so you can imagine the running connection, right? So it was really tricky to get comfortable with running again because uh, mm-hmm. my body was compromised in so many ways, and so it's why now when I get to do like it's not hard for me to get out the door to go for a run any day it can be sleet Mm. it can be ice it can be cold as hell it can be hot as hell you're not gonna have a hard time finding motivation for me because I know what it feels like to not be able to do it at all Mm. when it's all you want to do and we've all had runners injuries for sure and we all know that feeling but this is on a visceral level that that I know what it's like when you can't so yeah yeah it's almost like that same it's 
you're dep- you were deprived of it. That's that um, you know, five surgery cycle. Did, uh, did your goal change at any time? Each time you went back in and coming out, it's almost like as you said, you've re- you have uh, you're revived again, uh, December six. But I'm thinking each time you um, in, you're in recovery. Did you have a new goal for running per se, or just recovery? I think at first it really was just, I just want to be able to run. Um, I never imagined myself as an ultra runner. I never imagined myself as a distance runner. I just wanted to be in motion. And I knew that running made me happy. It made me feel free. It made me feel unencumbered by all of the things that I had been faced with. It was just a pure, a very pure um, primal almost, just let me move, let me run, let me be free, let me go f- go away, let me come back, let me be in control of my body after f- basically five years of feeling like I had zero control. And so the goal-setting nature didn't come in terms of running until fairly recently, like the last um, four years have really been when I didn't have, I wasn't sick anymore. I didn't have a surgery and it didn't, it didn't keep happening. And so I kind of let myself start dreaming about what I could do in running. And where did you start as far as goals? So I started with um, some half marathons and, and, and I aimed to break two hours, which I did a couple times. So that was fun. And then my, I joined, um, you probably both know of of JP Bedard, who's one of our our very popular, wonderful runners in Toronto. And I actually just happened to start following JP on Instagram pretty organically. I just saw somebody posted something and I started following him and, and I started going out for a couple of the team runs and met some really great people and decided that maybe I could run a full marathon. And I did that in 2016. And my wife was pregnant with our son at the time. And she rode around on a bicycle, eating sandwiches and snacks while I was uh, slogging my way through the most painful thing I had ever done, apart from all of my surgeries and and had a a suffer fest in the Scotiabank uh, full marathon in 2016. And finished it saying I'm never going to do this again, because this is so dumb. It's funny listening to you mention all these tri- these uh, road uh, runs and races and stuff yeah. like that. I I, I kind of know you as a trail runner. So, like, wh- was it road first and trail? Did you mix it up? Like, yep. What was that? So it was it was road at first. I didn't even know that trail running was really a thing. I, I loved to be in nature and I loved to hike and be in parks, but I didn't know that trail running was this thing. And one of the women that I met who we also all know, Melly. Um, Melly introduced oh, yeah. me to, she she posted something on Facebook about Five Peaks Trail Race. And I, I had just met her and I kind of said, I want to go do that too. That sounds really fun. And I went to Terracotta for Five Peaks and it was pure mud. And I signed up for the double loop, which I think was a 14K race. And my entire life changed. It sounds so dramatic, but I found the place and and it and I've never looked back. I've I've done a couple road races since, but very begrudgingly. <laughs> um because the trail just stole my heart. It it showed me an entire new world in running. It invited me to 
to slow down and look around, but also find a strength I never imagined for myself. So yes, I, I identify as a trail runner in my heart. <laughs> I know. I, I love that because um, we're still trying to invite more people to do trail running, but it's always like, how do you get into it? But uh, I guess do your first race. Yeah. And yeah, I find that, um, so similar to your experience, there was more like obviously a slower burn. It wasn't about trying to break two hours or anything like that, right? Mm. And I think uh, that's more attractive, or that more attractive to me, I'm sure. I, not even your first race, Trey. I'd say reach out to Dre, reach out to Lisa, <laughs> reach out to Jen Coleman. Yeah. Like, you want to get hooked? Don't even worry about racing. Just go out one day into the trails um doesn't matter the weather oh mm. maybe it does matter the weather but <laughs> go out and mm. it's just a different kind of space and it's funny like that's a good line a different kind you know, of space it is a different and it, and okay yeah i've been running a lot of trails lately and i know i had a love-hate relationship in the beginning but even in the beginning when you know i i suffer through um, there's something definitely very serene about being in, in, in the trails and, and mm -hmm. just not being in, in the city or on the road. So yeah, don't even worry. Just reach out to, you know, so many different people that, uh, mm -hmm. we've had in the podcast on trail running. I think, uh, it's an awesome start. Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's, it's just a different world on the trail. Right. And I, I think there's a lot that we can do in trail running to make it more accessible, to make it more diverse, to make it more inclusive. And I, I really hope to be able to be part of some of that work and, mm -hmm. and, and impact some of the change that, that we're hoping to see. And, and like you said, Andre, it's getting people out, inviting people out, just reaching out to somebody who might be interested. And, you know, Melly just very casually shared it on Facebook and, and it, you know, this, this simple trail race changed my whole life. And I have seen it happen for countless people because especially in this world that we're living in right now and the, the pressures of society, when you go out into the trail, you can just get lost without actually being lost and you can mm -hmm. feel free without leaving everything behind. And it, it's quite a beautiful experience. I, I definitely encourage anybody who sort of feels that pull or that calling to, to get out there for sure. Yeah. And um, when did you start doing ultra? So, <laughs> so okay, yeah. So in two, I, th I think it was 2017 was when I did uh, the five peaks, my first five peaks race. And then in 2000, at the end of 2017, I went to the screening of the trail movie where dreams go to die. I don't know if either of you have seen oh, that. Yep, no. yep, no, exactly. we're talking about. <laughs> so I got yep. to go to the premiere and, and see, and see it with um, the filmmaker and with Gary Robbins was there too. And Ethan Newberry's the filmmaker. So I, I got to go to the premiere and, and see them and hear them talk. And I, that's where I learned that Gary Robbins is the race director of um, a race series called coast mountain. And they have a race called the Squamish 50 and uh, so I had just been trail running for a very short time uh, in 2017. And I just leaned across the aisle to one of my friends who I was with. And I said, I think we should sign up for this. And she sort of looked at me like, that's insane, but that's such a good idea. And so we were on the computer in November when, when the race opens. And it, only, it, it took 40 minutes for it to sell out that year. The next year, oh, I think, wow. was eight minutes. So it's an extremely popular race. So 
in 2018, I ran the Squamish 50K in, in BC, in Squamish, BC. And that was my first ultra. It was my first, um, wow. it was my first long distance, even I had only done one marathon, the one I told you about the Sufferfest in yep. 2016. So 2018 was my next longest race. And I chose probably one of the hardest 50Ks out in BC to attempt. And I was success- successful. I did, I did complete yes. it. <laughs> Amazing. Trey, have you, you didn't run that one, did you? No, but I, I'm here just like soaking it all up because you know? that's amazing news because I can't even get in. It, oh. it, it sells out in minutes. You can't, so I shouldn't say you can't get in. It's such a popular race and there's a limited amount of individuals that can attend the Squamish 50. Uh, there's a couple of days of it. Um, when it goes live, you don't even refresh your browser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can't even buy it. So it is very popular. And I've, I've tried a few years now to try and get into it. And it does really? qualify you for a few other races around the world. Yeah. So it's like a dream of mine to do the Squamish 50. Like yeah. I've gone to other places around the world to do ultra marathons, but can't go in my backyard. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how popular it is, right? Well, I hope we get to do it together one time because, yeah, it was, it, yeah, the 50, I did the 50K in 2018. I went back in 2019 to crew and volunteer. And yep. then I was, um, I was registered for the 50 miler for this year, but obviously that got canceled. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. uh, my, my next Squamish 50 will be in 2022. I opted to not go next year just because um, I still don't That's know still- how things are going. And so Good I'll point. be towing the line for 50 miles at, at Squamish 50 in 2022. What uh, time of the year is it? August. Hmm. Yeah. That's another thing. I know it's not to start scratching. It's like, yeah. So a, a good way to get in, uh, Jonathan, is um volunteer the year before. Really? So if we yes, yeah, so if we go as a volunteer, get first dibs on and getting tickets. Um okay. so I, I did plan on doing that to get in, but I already had enough points for UTMB. Again, uh to be clear to everyone that's listening to the podcast. An actual ultra marathon is anything longer than a marathon, anything mm-hmm. uh, longer than 42K. So uh, usually it's increments of 50. Uh, you have 65Ks. Um, but yeah, those are the, the kind of uh, units that work. So for, for your first ultra, you've done a hard ultra. I've heard <laughs> stories about Squamish 50. Yeah, it's a beast. It's a beast. It was um, It was incredible. I felt so lucky to be there. I felt... Um, inspired by everything around me, I I just soaked it all in. It was it was amazing. It was joyful. It was um, you know painful. It was excruciating. It was absurd. It was it was everything. So it it was such a joyful race. And the the race director and the crew and all of the race organizers are are just incredible. It's the it's it's such a big party. And and that's one of the most beautiful things about trail running too, is, you know, you don't cross the start line and everybody's gone. You're, you're hanging out with the the front of the pack, the back of the pack, mid pack. You're all, everybody hangs out afterwards. Nobody really takes off. It's not like a road race where you don't even see the elite winners. You know, I got to introduce myself to Courtney DeWalter because that was the year that she won the 50 miler. And so I had a chance to oh, wow. sheepishly go over to Courtney DeWalter and say, I'm running my first 50K tomorrow. And I just think you're incredible. And, she, you know, she was so gracious and, and, you know, just gave me a, a moment of her time. And, and I, I got to fangirl on that. So <laughs> that's, that's awesome. a trail running community, right? It's, like it is. Family, it's accessible, right? right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. As in, you know, it 
individuals like that were. Um, so the fact that you met Courtney and who don't know about Courtney needs to know. Um, I find that obviously when there's a female runner or uh, athlete, it gets less coverage than a male. So look into that. She makes um, male ultra runners look bad. <laughs> yeah. You should, uh, there's some documentaries I got to send out, um, Jonathan, not from YouTube and stuff. She, oh, yeah. she doesn't sleep. She just shows be running and people are falling asleep on the trail. It's so amazing. Oh my um, goodness. But I had no idea she was there and, and she won. Yeah. That, that, so compared to um, Gary Robbins, you got to meet Gary Robbins? I did. I got, I got my Gary Robbins hug. I was very lucky to, to have to cross the line and get to have that hug. And I had, uh, planned my finish, uh, because I was very keen to have this, you know, amazing looking finish. And I, my wife and our son was there. So my son was 18 months and he ran, I like to say that Will ran the Squamish 500 because they had a 500 meter kids race the day before the races. And so Mm -hmm. my son's first race bib ever when he was 18 months old was a Squamish 50 bib. So I, I hope that one day, if he decides to be a runner, that he can brag about Squamish 500 being his first race. <laughs> uh, can, you so <laughs> yeah. can you imagine? Can you imagine? That would be such a good like lineage. Just like, yeah, uh, my mom did that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, but, yeah, that's back in the day when she used actual shoes. <laughs> I, I think in the future, it'd be like gels that you put on your foot, just straight gels. <laughs> Who knows, right? Who knows? My time is an outlet. It's like, uh, you don't need uh, all that cushion. Um, Go for it. So I think ultimately, uh, we want to get into your new personal best. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Was there a 50 mile? Wait, I'm sorry. Did you? I know you wanted to do the 50 mile in Squamish, but did you? What was the distance before the 100K that we're going to talk about? What was the longest distance you ran? Oh, there's more. Nope, actually. So the Squamish 50 registered on my Garmin is 52. So I like to say I did 52K. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But that was my longest race. I did attempt the 56 at Limberlost in 2019, but I DNF'd. That was my first DNF. It was very humbling. Um, and so no, up until what happened less than 48 hours ago, I had 52 was my longest tracked run. Oh, that escalated quickly. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, let me just double what I have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no big deal. Okay. Walk us through. So 10 years, you could have done a 10 K Lisa. It's true. To celebrate. You could have done a 10 K in the trails. Celebrate. Everyone would have been like, Oh, that's amazing. Where did you come up with a hundred? So, uh, yeah, that's fun. Um, what happened was I had been imagining this 10 year anniversary for a couple of years and I wanted to have a party, like a big party like hundreds of people party. And obviously 2020 has been such that nobody is even having a party with like 10 people. So when I realized I couldn't have a party, I wanted to find another way to celebrate and mark this momentous occasion. And being the runner that I am and being the big dreamer that I am, I quickly cooked up, I could do a hundred K and I thought that I would do 10, 10 Ks in a row and it would be a hundred K. And so before I went to my coach, I went to my wife and I said, what do you think about this? And 
she said, you're nuts, but I can see that it's happening. So (laughs) you've got my blessing and my support. And so then I called my coach and I had done a 50K in August of this year. um, And I had done the great... um, virtual race across Tennessee. So I don't, I don't know if either of you did, uh, did the Tennessee, uh, thing this summer that was going on from Lazarus Lake. <laughs> well, what? No, no. So I, I did hear about it, but there was a run to Montreal virtual going on at the same time. Okay. Some people double did it up, but no, I, 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 uh, let you tell the story of how that works. So there, so the race director from the Barkley Marathons. So if, if nobody has seen the Barkley Marathons, I highly recommend checking out. There's a documentary, I believe it's on Amazon Prime now. It, it used to be on Netflix, but I think it's on Amazon Prime. And then that's where where Dreams Go to Die is another documentary about this Barkley Marathons race. But the race director is this man named Lazarus Lake. He's got a couple of other races, well, many other races too, Big's Backyard and such. But he, because races are canceled, he cooked up this virtual race and called it the Great Virtual Race Across Tennessee. And the idea was that from May 1st to August 31st, you had to cover 2,000, no, sorry, 1,000 kilometers was the, Mm -hmm. so it was 1,000 kilometers for four months. And because it's LAS, it was actually 1,021.68 kilometers, um, oh, but he called it the, the 1,000. But anyway, I, I, um, I worked my way through that through the summer and then was in did a 50K in August just as a, a celebration of when Squamish would have been. So I was in 50K walking shape um, because I, I had sustained an injury in June, and um, I can talk a little bit about my approach to how I've been training, if it's of interest, but basically I I was, I did a 50 K in August and then called my coach and said, I want to do a hundred K on December 6th. And she said, absolutely. As long as you promise to take time off afterwards. And I said, I promise. And then she said, let's, let's go. (laughs) So, um, I started training for the hundred K at the beginning of September. I took a little bit time off after the 50 and then, have trained since September to bring myself to what happened on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. To even think about it, Jonathan, what would you find a coach to do a hundred K? Like <laughs> a coach normally be like, uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> I would have my coach would have been like, you're out of here. Peace. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I know, but we're, we're happy to have individuals who have accomplished, accomplished, um, you know, feet like that and they were able to share some of the actual uh real life scenario on how they would have uh, um got to that goal so um i'm sure in people ask you how would you train for something like that so do share how you've um got through your injury and recovery and how you got to get to 100 yeah so um i i was really excited for the tennessee race i i really hit the ground running in may um uh, building a lot of volume and getting about, um, I don't know, like two, 270 to 280 kilometers in, in May and, and, and June was starting out well too. I was, I was running pretty fast too, feeling really strong for, for me. And I, I'm also a teacher. I'm an elementary school teacher. And so we were at um, teaching from home and I was spending a lot of time at the computer. And I think that the combination of heavy volume training with a lot of sitting at the computer without 
doing a lot of the self-care uh, post-run led to, I had a calf strain, a mm. um, little bit of a tear. And so I kind of was off running for, for most of June. Um, I just started doing some light walking and then, and then I spent all of July and, and August um, basically power walking. And um, I am the converted power walker of the world <laughs> because it is so, so strength building. And, um, and I do walk pretty fast. Like my, my comfortable walk speed is like an eight minute kilometer. So I am kind of booking it when I'm walking. Um, and then I started to integrate running as as I was getting stronger. And so I would run a hundred meters and then walk the rest of the K. I started running like two minutes and then walking 10 and just building, building in that way. And then in September, my coach started adding more running back in. And then I continued to do kind of a run walk combo for the duration of this whole training leading up to the hundred, because I knew that I was going to take on the hundred with a run walk combination. And so the training was uh, very unique. I would, I, I, I did triples. So I would do a very long distance on Saturday, um, a long distance on Sunday, and then a shorter distance on Monday and, and build a lot of volume that way. And mm -hmm. then, uh, did some, some running in between and just kind of had a really blended approach to the training. And I feel that run walking is such a, um, efficient and, great strategy for building volume to go longer. So I don't know that I could have built this endurance on just running, but just because I think injury might've shown up in my particular body. I, I definitely know that there are folks who can do tons of volume and it's all running and, and that's great. I, I think that I've kind of found my sweet spot, which is, which is a very rapid walk that anyone who comes with me sort of feels awkward and has to jog alongside me. <laughs> um, but the running walk combination has, I think, led to why why it, why it went so well um, on Saturday for the hundred. So, yeah, and, and sorry, go Joy. No, I'm so I'm just happy you said that because um, a lot of new runners assume you're not supposed to walk at all. <laughs> yeah, and you want to get rid of that rumor right away. Absolutely. Yeah. And especially um, no. in trail running, I think because my trail routes, you know, even, even some of the top runners will walk the hills, you know, um, and, and not obviously not the, the very, you know, fastest known time kind of situations, but, um, a lot of folks walk the hills and it, it's a really efficient. And I, I knew that I was going to go further and I was going to go longer if I just trusted the training and trusted my coach and, even when I thought, I don't know how this is going to work. I just kept hitting the workouts, hitting the workouts. And so I just um, believed in it and yeah, it, it works. <laughs> There's a, so just, okay. So hundred kilometers uh, on the trails, one thing you, you did it like on the road, you did it not even on the road. You did it like on a sidewalk. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> I mean, your coach, your coach hopefully isn't listening. So that's, that's good. Not but, even now, where'd you find a hundred K in the city? You know, like. <laughs> I don't even want, yeah. Well, okay. Okay. First, well, okay. Yeah. First, let's figure out the sidewalks and then Dre, let's yeah. figure out where the heck you found a hundred K. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. You can't, can't even find half that in the city. Maybe you can answer both at the same time because yeah. uh, we're, we're trying to figure this out. Okay. So what I did was, beca again, because of the restrictions around COVID, I knew that I needed to be 
as safe as possible. And I didn't want, and, and because this was a celebration, this wasn't just about me doing 100K. This was about me honoring the journey I've been on and the people who have been a part of that. So I, what I, I had, what basically my original plan was to do 10 10K loops from my house and have a different person pace me on each 10K and it be someone from a different facet of my life who was part of my healing and growth and, and, and my running, my running life too. So what, uh, what I ended up with was eight, eight people. And so I did the first 10 K with my dad, which was amazing. And we, we walked it together. We did a a full walk and then I proceeded to loop through these different people and I did get on the belt line for a little bit. So there was a softness at one point, but Mm-hmm. Most of it was along the rail path that went down, that goes down along the train tracks down to Roncesvalles. I was on the rail oh, path yeah, a yeah, lot. Yeah. Goodness, yeah. yeah. And then I was uh, down on the Queensway for the end. And I was in Prospect Cemetery as well for portions of it and on the York Beltline extension. Is this all on Strava? It is on Strava, baby. I wanted that 100 number. Don't. No, it's not even that. It's just like <laughs> the next wrong, time right? I'm out for a hundred k run, I'm just gonna. I want to like copy your route. Oh, you're not gonna yeah. like it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's Big Ben Parliament. Okay, but um, yeah, and and I I remember. So was it your wife? I think your wife had your Instagram, right? Yes, she did. And she was posting some of like like stories about like where you were going, stuff like that. I think a few times I saw that. And even still, I'm like, I, 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 I read it and it's like, the next one's of 30 kilometers and 20 kilometers. And and in my head, I'm thinking, when I do a 30 or 20 kilometer run, like where I have to go to get that accomplished. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I don't think, it didn't sound like you were doing the exact same route each time. So what, like just mapping that out must've been pretty, I mean, you would say probably exciting, but, (laughs) but it, that had to have been, uh, interesting to map that out. Yeah. I mean, I felt I run on the belt line a lot as we, we spoke about earlier and, and, and so I'm really comfortable up there. I also run on the rail path, um, down, down along the West rail path a lot too. So I I know those routes so well. And so, you know, when you're, when you run a lot and you run in the same area, you know, your 5k turnaround, you know, your 10k turnaround, you know, you're right. So, uh, for me to leave my house and jump on the York Beltline extension and then, and then pop onto the Beltline down to Mount Pleasant, it's, it's exactly 20k. So I I know that already. And so it was actually easier than it sounds to just, um, keep heading out on familiar routes and, and knowing when to turn back. Yeah. It, It wasn't as hard to plan as I, thought it might be it was more just time on feet you know you're gonna be there all day and all day did you have like a, a meal plan in place like nutrition you know we're not a performance thing but more of like knowing you needed to do certain things to keep that energy yeah absolutely i mean i've 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 had a, a reasonable a number of opportunities to, pr- to practice but 100k is definitely a different beast but i did I, I prefer to fuel with real food. So I eat a lot of salted potatoes and, and I ate a burger while I was at 70 K. I had a burger with ketchup on it. Um, Seriously. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I left just munching on a big bun and burger. <laughs> um, no, I had bacon, I had some chips. I, I did have, oh. um, 
endurance tap worked really beautifully this weekend. So uh, I was really pleased to have that. And it's a great local product. And I also use Tailwind, which I, I really love Tailwind. So my hydration went really smooth. I, I was pretty pretty happy about it actually because it's hard when it's cold too to make sure that you keep up with your fluids but everything just seemed to go smoothly um I think that I had I had trained with all of those items and so I I knew how they were going to digest and and my wife Ashley was ready with a, a bunch of other options just in case you know um I'm sure, Jonathan, as you get deeper into your ultras, you'll you'll learn that there's just sometimes you want something really random, right, Andre? You're like, I yep. need you this. Crave it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yep. crave the most random things. Uh, it could be uh, sweet and uh, and savory at the same time. Yeah, you're like, uh, I want mixed cornflakes with this with uh, Pepsi. Yeah, right? for some yeah. reason, that's its own thing. Yeah, I um, wanted a lot of toast with butter for some reason. I was the yeah. craving. Yeah, okay, <laughs> that's awesome. Wait, so, what do you what do you mean by going deeper into my ultra? Oh, Jonathan, my dear, you didn't just do one. We just started. <laughs> yeah. Just started. Uh, uh, yeah. Speaking yeah. of which, because we we talked about kind of how I was feeling because I, I just did my my 50 uh, uh, K a few weeks ago yeah. and we talked about kind of like different milestones where I was along the way and because I did run a marathon and you know the the 50 K was only another you know 7.8 kilometers mm-hmm. uh, you know the, after that but you know going from 52 or so to 100 you don't have a lot of references yeah so how was like the 50k mark the 75k mark and then i saw the last video of you coming down the street <laughs> how like what what were those milestones like for you were you thinking about them were you making mental markers of them yeah i mean i was really I, you know i was excited to cross the distance threshold so i was excited to cross that 52 kilometer um coming into 50 i felt really great um i i think i was mentally prepared for the distance and so I felt great. I, I came in on, it was 50 K at seven hours on the button. And so I, um, I felt great about that. I, I was moving better than I anticipated. I had an A goal in my head and, and a B and a C and a Z. Um, you know, you got all your goals in there, but I was moving at my, my A goal pace and, and feeling pretty good about that. And nine and a half hours is how long it took me to do the Squamish 50 K. And so I had nine and a half hours is also, um, you know, a, dis, a, a a measure in my mind. So I was pretty pumped when I crossed the nine and a half hours. And, and then when I started in the dark and then it, when the sun set, so when it was dark again, I'm like, wow, I've been doing this since it was already dark today. <laughs> um, yeah, there were little moments along the way. It, it didn't get, uh, it didn't get hard until a lot later than I anticipated. And I think because of the nature of what I was doing, the celebratory aspect of it, the new pacer every 10 K that made it go by quite fast. And, and it was neat to connect with people, especially in these times where you can't really be close to people. And, you know, I didn't hug a single person. I didn't hug my own dad on the 10th anniversary of, of oh, my wow. tumor um, because I did want to be very respectful and very safe as possible for all of the COVID restrictions. And I, I, I opted to, 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 you know, I wanted to have people with me, but I wanted to do it as safe as possible. And so I... Um, I was just excited to see people and, and the energy was really cool around all of that. So it really pulled me through and, and, 
it didn't get tough until maybe 85, which I, I really would have, I would have thought it would be earlier, but yeah. Okay. Wow. And, and you got, and we saw again, you know, with the stories, so many people were, were supporting you and, um, you know, socially distanced, of course. Mm -hmm. And it was really awesome to, to watch that because we knew that it was going to be tough, but we also knew that um, you had so many people behind you, whether or not they were, you know, in the comfort of their home yeah. or mm-hmm. out there, out there on a belt line or the rail path or other parts of the city, you know, running, you know, uh, alongside of you or, or, you know, mm-hmm. um, or just stopping to cheer that that's kind of what, what it's all about that even um even though we have to be careful they were still able to uh to support you and cheer you on yeah absolutely and you know one of the best things that happened was just uh in and about in between the 20 in and around the 20k mark i i saw um several parents and several kids from the school that i teach at and it was just so incredible to see one of my students, you know, um, when a little six-year-old, I teach grade one, and they were out and they were just cheering so loud for me and to see these kids and their parents and, and really get to feel their energy and feel their joy and know that they, you know, these moms really felt like their kids were getting to see something really cool that their teacher was doing. And you know, it's hard to wrap your head around 100 kilometers as an adult. As a kid, it's even more incomprehensible. But one of the moms sent me a beautiful email. And she just said, all day, they keep saying, is she still running? Is she still running? (laughs) And so that was, you know, that that was a really beautiful thing that I got to experience, even despite having to be apart and despite having to keep it distant. And yeah, so yeah. And and how do you feel now? Um, I feel pretty great. I, I didn't anticipate, um, recovering so nicely. I, again, I think the run walk strategy is really effective from that standpoint too, because I think the, the usual muscles that give us the most trouble after marathons with the, you know, having to walk backwards down the stairs kind of thing, um, walk, walk, speed walking in particular in, in, and, and, um, endurance walking builds a lot of muscles that I think are really complementary to the actual running process. So I feel pretty good. I, I've got a sore knee. One of my knees started to sing at, in the mm-hmm. last like 12K. Um, so I'll get that tweaked and, and checked out at the Runners Academy um, tomorrow. And they'll they'll fix me up because they're amazing. And mm-hmm. um, But other than that, I've just been able to enjoy what happened and it's fun to get to share the story and um yeah just it was fun to read everybody's messages there were so many I left my phone in my pack just so that Ashley could trade could track me but I didn't look Mm -hmm. at anything at all the entire time I was just in the zone and it was really fun afterwards to scroll through everybody's support and I was, as you mentioned at the beginning, I, I was raising money for the Brain Tumor yes. Foundation of Canada, and um, I, I hadn't initially intended to do that. And one of my friends said, "Hey, why don't you add a fundraising component to the race?" And because it's COVID, and and I, I was just concerned that it, you know it's hard to you know a lot of people are struggling and a lot of people have lost their work, and I didn't want to. I was a little timid about attaching a money thing to it, but then I just realized it's a great opportunity for people to show their support from a distance. And so I I made that 
I got in touch with the foundation and we were able to make a page and I, I set my fundraising goal at a thousand dollars and it's now well over 5,000. So it was pretty remarkable. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and what you said there, uh, the sentiment about, you know, reading the room, what's going on really right now, not everyone could, um, afford anything and to ask about money. Um, it's, it's good that you've, um, recognized that Mm -hmm. without even just, um, so there are others that aren't recognizing or even reading the room right now, but I feel also there are industries that are doing so well and you're like wondering how are they doing so well? So that happens as well too. Um, but and then and, and the charity component itself is like a given. And I think it goes full circle, right? Because it was a brain tumor foundation of Canada. Yeah, exactly. And it felt really great to know that the, the money was going to go towards, um, cause I was really lucky. I, I had a brain tumor that was operable. I had a brain tumor that was non-cancerous and, although it was producing its own hormones and causing that disease for me, it wasn't something that was everlasting. And the impact of brain tumors in, on people is, is extreme. And, and I, I really feel that it was important to make a contribution that would allow for research or support or whatever is needed for folks who are coping with the challenges of brain tumors, because not everyone is as lucky as I was. And some people have to go through extremely um, invasive and aggressive removals and, and surgeries. And I, I feel that it's important to honor and, and acknowledge that I was really lucky and that um, and I, I feel that I need to use this life that I have in, in good ways and to contribute to community. And so this was just a nice way to keep, keep up that, um, mission, if you will. Yeah. And, and we are, we're so grateful that, that you're doing this and inspiring us and raising awareness and, um, you know, j- just, just doing the run and telling a story is, you know, um, raises awareness and um, means a lot. Then to raise that, you know, the, that money um, is is um, is is amazing, and I'm sure um, I'm sure they appreciate that. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it it was um, it it it, it kind of all came together so well. And and you know, this again, this is not what I had what I had planned. I had, you know, we would have been having a party, guys. We we wouldn't have been talking yeah, about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Um, we would have been having yummy eats and drinks and and dancing. But um, after a ten k, <laughs> after a ten k, yeah, I definitely got a lot of people saying, "Couldn't you have just watched like ten movies in a row, mm-hmm. or you know, eaten ten donuts <laughs> or something?" <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah, but um, we can still party. I'm, I'm, I'm still good to go. Not right now, yeah. but it, you could still, you know, uh, put it off just like um the Squamish 50k. That's uh 2022, right? You got it. Um, so it, it's still a situation where we didn't know what we didn't really um we're gonna miss, and then when we 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 go back to everything now, it'll be that big recovery. It's it's that um more exciting time. Yeah. And, and and I think You've it's been, been, oh sorry, Anthony. 
No, go ahead. I just think it's really important that, you know, we've all been coming up with our own challenges during this time. And those of us who run, we, we love it and, and we're not going to stop doing it. But our race directors and our organizations, they need us. They need us. They need our support. They need us to sign up for their virtual races. They need us to engage in their different challenges that they're coming up with because this industry is so important to us. And I, I definitely worry that the impacts of this could be could be lasting for longer than we realize. And so I really look forward to any of the ways that our race organizations need us. And it's been really, it was super fun to do this challenge and to come up with this on my own and, and execute it like they, we did. But I mean, I can't wait to do 100K on a trail in an organized race. You know, I want to I wanna cross a finish line. I want to, I, I got no buckle for this on the weekend. I need my buckle. So I know, right? <laughs> Uh, for, for anyone obviously that don't know that some of the uh, biggest uh, ultra races they'll give you a buckle like uh boulder 100 a few of them in colorado and yeah and that's what you get to take home sulfur i think gives you a buckle too if you do 100 mile um uh, something that needs to be said just like you mentioned earlier about the fact that we need to support each other we also support local businesses yes you've mentioned endurance tap we're so lucky to have a, a, a brand that most people use and trust in our backyard and you know what i mean like that doesn't come easily we could have been um buying stuff from amazon that's from a, a foreign country that may not support the local business next door uh so uh be mindful in the next time you click on that button to make sure you're able to um give back to the local community they might might take longer to deliver it might, it might not be amazon prime but be mindful that you you're actually making the smaller business uh not thrive you know you've mentioned uh, runners academy yeah you know it, these things just go hand in hand the fact that you run more you're using an endurance tab you know you're utilizing some of the actual well i've actually practicing the rules and stuff like that being able to use the local businesses that are services and not just product yeah and I, and I will say like i ordered a big box of fuel from black toe it just kind of realized oh i don't have anything other than real food and I, I want to have all these different options. And Black Toe had it to me within two days, even with a note saying, good luck on your hundred, you know, and you can't get that from Amazon. You can't get that from ordering mm -hmm. something from Walmart. Um, and that's, that's the stuff that connects our community. And that's the important part. And, 100%. Yeah. So I'm afraid to ask, but <laughs> uh, what's, what's next? Um, I don't know. I think that, I, I'd really like to take a kind of more peaceful 2021, to be honest. I, I just, I just hit 2,600 something for this year of, of mileage. And I, I feel pretty good about that. I mean, I know that people do a lot higher, but for, for the kind of runner that I am, I was, I was pretty proud of myself to come through injury and, and hit a, hit a marker like that for the year. I think that next year I'd like to I'm just hoping that we'll be at our trail races. That, that I just hope that we can be at Five Peaks. I hope we can be at Happy Trails. Um, you know, I, I just want to be able to see our community again, be together. I, I don't, I'm not even that worried about racing anything in particular. I'd like to just be, be, be part of everything again and, and take, you know, I, I, I because I knew I was going to do this, I, I, 
to go to Squamish in 2021 in August, you know, that's, that's only nine months away from right now. And, and that's, it felt like it was too soon to do that after doing this. And so, yeah, I just look forward to taking it easy, maybe having a Sunday morning with my family and (laughs) um, we'll see. I'm sure as my wife knows and, and the people who know me well, they know that there's never not something next. So um, for now, I'll just say that the trails are going to be seeing lots more of me. So <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. And I hope to see you out there. I remember when uh, Jen and I were scoping out the uh, that beef course and we saw you. Yeah, I actually, I, li- I listened to your podcast, of course, and I, I heard my shout out and I was like, yay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just. It's so fun. And and I think that though, I feel like we've already come up with a team, a team trip. I think we're all going to Squamish to volunteer and then we're all racing. I heard, I feel like I'm already that. ready. Right. That, I, that's why I asked when it was, because I'm, I'm trying to figure out Tokyo because Tokyo was supposed to be March, 2021 or cause I, I, I'm def- I had to defer because of uh, this year. So it's either March, 2021 or uh, March, 2022, but they just moved to March, 2021 to October. Ah, so now I'm like, hmm, but well, I don't know. Well, nothing's uh, ruled out yet. So I still think a fi- we just go on a field trip in, in August. It's, you know, I think the team needs that. <laughs> I'm already ready. I'm already ready. Runner of the yes. six. Yeah. I've been practicing my like walkie talkie radio voice. So <laughs> I can support. I'd be like, yeah, uh, I see a runner here. I need to help him out. Let's go. Um, <laughs> Questions we've always asked at the end of each episode is, who do we speak to next? But what I want to ask you is, who inspires you that we could reach out to, to hear and uh, you want to hear from? Oh, wow. Okay. So I was going to say my son, but I don't think you want to interview him. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure him and I could connect. You know what I'm saying? Like we go, you know. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, um, gosh, there's, I, I mean, there's so many people. I, I'm inspired by by just the regular person who, who gives something crazy a go. And even if that's a 5k, you know, someone who's never, never done anything before, but in in terms of who I think you should interview next day, Oh goodness. Can you get Courtney DeWalter on here? Do you think, do you think that she'd come Uh and talk to you? Um, well, you you could probably pull more strings than, than us. <laughs> I was just going to say the same thing, Trey. <laughs> yeah. The question is, can you get her? Yeah, that's here? so funny. Um, I, I was just saying, ring up Gary Robbins, that uh, you know, work it out. Yeah. Oh gosh, I wish. But um, you know, I I think I I'm gonna I'm gonna think about that. But I, what I want to tell you is that I watched there. There's a a brief YouTube documentary that's called The Golden Hour, and and go to YouTube, check it out. It's the last hour before the cutoff at Western States. And so it's, they film the 29 to 30 hour, that final hour before the race is done. And those are the people who inspire me to no end. It's, you know, I love to see the, the front runners. I love to see that, that tape getting broken. I love when someone gets a course record, you know, Jim Walmsley, Courtney DeWalter, you know, they're so fun to watch. But the people at the end who mm-hmm. never give up and they, and that's the beauty of trail is that we're all there together and we're all in it together. And it's the people who never stop and keep going until, until they get there that just, they do that, they, that inspires me to no end. So if you can find some golden hour people and I'll, I'll do a little hunting too, but 
I think a golden hour episode is would be deeply inspiring. Lisa, our friend and fellow RO6 family member, you've been so generous with your time. Thank you for walking us through kind of your your history, especially on the health side, which is something I don't think many of us have uh, uh, really knew about. I mean, we knew from your stories about the um, uh, the brain surgery, but everything else that you went through was just, uh, um, it's remarkable that, um, you know, and, and, and we all know you. So we see like the side of you that's, you know, energy and, and fun and all that stuff to, to think that you, you went through all that stuff and um, is... Um, it's incredible. And you've been so generous with your time here. And uh, we're really uh, uh, fortunate to, to have you tell a story and, uh, and hopefully inspire someone out there. Yeah, I hope so. Thank you both so much. It was, it was so much fun to talk to you. And you feel like brothers. So it was really easy to oh. share with you. So thank you. thank you. Thank you. And with that being said, this is the Longest Stripe Podcast. Bye.